This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birth room, season ticket holders since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winter's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings, driven to rep cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. Mr. Icon, hit the music. Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Nice to have Dell back in the fold here as we uh, we look back at K-State's uh, recent struggles here uh, as they drop uh, an embarrasser, uh, 45-0 to Iowa State, and then a uh, heartbreaking 32-31 uh, loss on the road in Waco to the Baylor Bears as Baylor's able to come back and, and steal a win from K-State there. Uh, K-State is limping in here to the final game of the season, uh, regular season I should say, an 11 o'clock kickoff against the Texas Longhorns on Fox. Big noon, baby. Well, big noon on the Eastern, in the Eastern time zone. Big 11 a.m. here in the Central time zone. But nice to have you with us here on the short side option. Dell, it's great to have you back. Well, it's great to be back, uh, Icon, and uh, after my little hibatus there, and uh, great to be back doing internet radio again with you. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and talking K-State sports. Uh, which you know I love doing. Well, we'll, well, we got some other sports to talk about. We got some basketball that we we, we will hit on here in a little bit, uh, maybe in the Ask the Icon segment. But uh, let's get right to it. We'll go kind of in uh, chronological order here. Who? Uh, K State, Iowa State, forty-five nothing uh, in favor of the Clones. There. It was a game that K State uh, was really never in. Uh, they they have a nice opening drive get down there uh, after Iowa State scores on the first possession. K-State gets down there uh, and gets stymied at the goal line uh, as, as they're trying to tie that game up. And quite frankly, that was K-State's best chance to score all day. And we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on it. One of the worst losses in recent memory for K-State. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was... You know, I, I thought K-State would lose that game pretty comfortably, but I, I really didn't see that coming. Um, just the all-out onslaught by Iowa State in the first half was uh, was shocking to me. And then that K-State, uh, throughout the rest of the game, couldn't find a way to get any points on the board was um, really disturbing. Sure. Uh, I, I think... Kleiman made the right call in pulling Howard yeah, in the second. Yeah. Just because that wasn't going to get any prettier, and I don't think there's any benefit to having the true freshman in there to, you know, after that first half to get further um, subjected to that brutal uh, beatdown. Um, but, no, just uh, that's an embarrassing loss and an embarrassing performance, um, you know, and there's – Circumstances that gave rise to that, uh, you know, just playing shorthanded and that sort of thing. Um, but to lose forty-five to nothing uh, is 
certainly a stain on uh, on the program and something that I mean I think that was the worst I think it's fair to say that's the worst performance of the climate era so far and one of the worst performances we've seen out of a K-State team in recent memory. You know, I, I if, if memory serves me correctly, the 55 nothing loss to Oklahoma was the um, last time K-State's been shut out. And uh, they, they get shut out here against Iowa State in this ballgame. I agree with you. I think um, pulling Will Howard at the time that they did, he had taken a couple licks uh, earlier in the game. There was just really no need. I don't, I don't think it was – it, it did anyone any benefit to have him in there, whether if it was, you know, the team or him personally. Uh, if he's going to be your starting quarterback, the guy that, you know, I think K State's uh, coaching staff is, is, you know, somewhat high on uh, still as as he's maintained uh, the starting role here throughout the uh, throughout the season here after replacing Skylar Thompson. But it, yeah, it, it was ugly. I, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, one of the worst performances we've seen from K-State in some time. The thing that was probably most troubling, obviously not scoring any points is troubling, but gosh, you, when you were watching that game, and if you were watching that game all the way through, you, you deserve some sort of medal, uh, which I did. I just wanted to say, I deserve a medal. You're a better man than me. Um, it looked to me as though they had kind of quit during that game, and I, I think a lot of people had, had had maybe made that same connection there. And as we were recording this now after the Baylor game, which I I think any because that was what I was most interested to see with the Baylor game is case they going to come out here and and you know are they done it, are they done are, for are, the year are, yeah are they done for the year are they going to mail it in and, and thankfully we didn't see that it, it was a spirited effort of course against Baylor, uh, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but. That was the first time I had seen a K State team quit. What, what I, in my view, that they had quit in that Iowa State game in some time, and you know that was um, something that was was tough to see. But uh, thankfully, you know, with having with with how we're recording this, uh, we have the uh, ability to look at the Baylor game and say, yeah, this team hasn't mailed it in. Yeah, no, I I think that much was proven down in Waco, where they it was certainly a competitive game um, and. Uh, Kudos, and, and in a game where K-State got off to a hot start in, uh, which we'll talk about, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that whatever issues plagued them against Iowa State, they at least got their heads right going into the Baylor game and uh, got out and were certainly competing against the Bears. Well, no need to be a dead horse. That'll do it here for Iowa State. That's about as short of a recap as you're going to get here on the short side option. But uh, I don't think anything. Yeah, I don't think any more time needs to be spent necessarily on that. So, let's go ahead and transition out of the Baylor game. So, this is a game that K State has to feel like they should have won. Uh, no question about it. Uh, Baylor, well, you have a nine point lead in the fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, you think? Well. I like our odds here. You know, it's interesting because I, I don't think that the ESPN win probability chart is, is really all that accurate. I, I think it's a little uh, a little short-sighted. And I think it's maybe not as, as accurate as maybe they claim that it is. But uh, the highest win percent chance that we had in, late in that fourth quarter was about 70%. And I felt a lot more confident in 70% uh, going into that. Now, granted... Baylor was moving the ball uh, very well in the second half. Uh, when you look at what they did, they scored 
I believe, on all but one possession. Uh, field goal, touchdown, a punt, another touchdown, another touchdown, and, of course, the game-winning field goal as time expires. Um, gosh, this is a game, though, that K-State really, you know, they were matching Baylor uh, point for point until, until that end of that game, of course. But it's a game that K-State has to feel like they, they really let slip through their fingers. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's a game where you're trying to figure out what exactly went wrong and where it went wrong. And I think you hit the nail on the head that it was the second-half defense just couldn't get Baylor off the field for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, there, there's one play in particular that isn't really getting talked about that much. I mean, so much of the focal point in the discussion about this game has been on K-State's last drive, um, where they were trying to chew clock and really just grind the game out. Mm-hmm. But before that, I believe it was Baylor's final touchdown drive where uh, where K-State stopped Baylor on third down, but uh, Khalid Duke gets roughing hit pass. with a roughing yeah. the passer penalty to Huge extend goal. the drive. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that is just a brutal penalty. And you, and you look at these games and you think, man, it's just so many different opportunities K-State had to maintain a comfortable... Uh, lead in that game where it just couldn't happen and so all of a sudden you're putting Will Howard in a tough spot late in the game where he's having to grind it out on his own 14 yard line and it's Mm -hmm. like you know if things don't go it just puts a lot of pressure on that one drive where if, if things don't there's just no room for error sure and because you know on that final possession it felt like, well, is there any doubt Baylor's going to just trot down the field here and get in field goal range? I had no confidence in the defense in that last drive, only yeah. because of the game flow of the second half. But uh, it's weird because K-State's defense has actually done pretty well throughout the season in some of those tight pressure situations. Um, but a departure from that uh, on Saturday, which is disappointing because Baylor's offense, and especially Charlotte Brewer, haven't been world beaters at all this year. And, and so it's... I was just really not expecting that second half. Yeah, you know, I I think the storyline of that game, especially on the defense side of the ball, is, I mean, K-State lived in the Baylor backfield uh, throughout the game. Uh, let me look here. As I'm looking here, we K-State tallies seven sacks, 13 tackles for loss. Seven sacks, I believe, is too short of the K-State record uh, for a game. I mean, they were they were hitting Charlotte Brewer. Give him credit for for standing in there and taking a beating throughout the game. But I think what you see there with what Baylor did in the second half, they spread it out, go four or five wide about every. It seemed like almost every play, and you know, make it to where our defense is spread out a lot of man situations or you know, soft zones where Charlie Brewer is just able to hit the crossing routes and. Gosh, R.J. Sneed made it kind of a personal highlight tape there in the, in the second half against us. But, you know, that's kind of the benefit of having one of those senior quarterbacks, experienced quarterback guy with Charlie Brewer, that it uh, really paid dividends for Baylor. And I, I, I think that you don't have to look too much further than what they did in terms of the second half adjustment, where we really couldn't match up with their their uh, attack in terms of getting it spread out and, and – uh, kind of signing that passing game. Yeah, well, and we talked about this a little bit off the air, but 
I think the focal point for Baylor's offense in the second half was just picking on K-State's uh, linebackers. Sure. Um, you take a guy like Daniel Green, Cody Fletcher. Um, Green, not the most experienced back in, or linebacker in the world. Um, he's going to get a little lost sometimes, and we saw that a little bit on Saturday. Cody Fletcher, not the most fleet of foot. Um, and in some of those shallow crossing routes, which is a pretty popular route concept oh, across, sure. just in football in general right mm-hmm. now, um, was just really picking on on those two guys in the middle of the field in particular. And you take a guy like Charlie Brewer, who uh, this season especially um, has trouble throwing to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem a lot of college quarterbacks have. Sure. But he in particular, you, you've seen defenses shade to the middle of the field when playing Charlie Brewer. Um, but when K-State's linebackers just are gassed, especially in the second half, the linebacking court is depleted right now, can't rotate in. They're being asked to cover this uh, spread offense, especially when they're going picking up the tempo in the second half. You just have to imagine that those two guys were just gassed. Sure. And they, they just didn't have – couldn't make the plays in space that – they need to make in order for the defense to do anything. And so what did Baylor do? They they took some pressure off Charlie Brewer uh, by having some quicker drops and picked on K-State's linebackers to neutralize the K-State defensive line. I think six of those seven sacks came in the first half, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. So K-State only got to him once in the second half, which isn't horrible, but it's certainly a departure from what we saw in the first half where K-State's defense was having a lot of success. You know, and K-State's offense was able to move the ball really pretty well throughout the game, and even in the second half, uh, put, putting up points. And I'm looking here through the drive chart, and, and something kind of sticks out to me. When I look back to this game, it seemed like Baylor had the ball the entire second half. And when I'm looking here at the drive chart, K-State here, here's K-State's second half drives. Three plays and out on the first drive. Seven plays and out uh, for a punt. Assisted by a fourth down conversion. Yes, yes. With a fourth down on our own own side of the field there where we go for it on a 35 and pick it up on a, on a quarterback sneak. And then uh, two plays for a touchdown, then four plays for a touchdown. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we had the ball. Uh, we ran, let's see, six, 13, 16 plays in the second half, which is, you know, when, when you have a defense that is a little bit beat up, a little inexperienced, uh, you know that that hurts. Um, oh, yeah, I take that back. We had 19 plays because then we punted after going three and out on the final drive uh, for us. So, but still under 20 plays in the second half. That defense was out there on the field a lot, and you know that that pass rush that was getting home throughout the first half, and, and, and you know, they had moments in the second half as well. But uh, that defense was you could tell going into that final drive pretty worn down. Totally, and, and, and in that respect, I mean, I don't think that excuses the the inability to stop Baylor because, shoot, I mean, twenty. What they score in the second half? Uh, uh, twenty six points. Yeah, that's that's not going to cut it. No. Bottom line, I mean, this K State team can't be allowing twenty six points and a half to anybody, or they're going to lose because K State's offense isn't good enough to mm-hmm. keep up with that. Um, and so, and that's. Baylor puts up 26 points and a half, K-State loses. I mean, that's that's the ball game right there. Um, and so credit to Baylor because it, finding that soft spot and really picking on K-State's linebackers where they're thin, 
They're not, I mean, they're not super great in space as it is Green and Fletcher. Um, and then when you tempo, when you tempo K-State and keep K-State's defense on the field a long time, then yeah, scoring on that defense is not a complicated thing. Well, let's um, let's kind of step back here and look at the offense for, for a minute here. Um, you know, first drive of the game looked like might be more the same uh, for K-State in this one against what you saw against Iowa State. Uh, turnover sets up Baylor with a short field for a touchdown. K-State's down uh, 6 nothing here right off the bat. At that point, I, th- I feel like everyone thought, here we go again. Here we go again. You know, I said K-State got off to a hot start, but <laughs> no, they kind of counterpunched it. They did, and then the next – the first play of the second drive, Malik Knowles, 75 yards for a touchdown, and uh, K State was really, you know, back right back right back in the game just like that, and uh, was able to take in uh, to halftime a 17 to six lead. Now, a lot of the kind of the conversation, a lot of the narrative surrounding this game, is K State in the play calling, and you know, a lot of folks have been saying that this this is, you know, a culmination of a couple of things. I think obviously when you look back at last week's perform- – or two weeks ago's performance against Iowa State, not scoring any points, and the offense not being, you know, super consistent here throughout uh, throughout the second half of the year. And really since Skylar Thompson uh, went down with an injury against Texas Tech. But when you look at this, to me, I don't think the offense is to blame here. One iota, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we're shorthanded at quarterback. But, you know, we had a – completely makeshift offensive line, which, by the way, K-State had maybe – I'd have to look at the numbers from the Oklahoma State game, but to my in my eyes, one of their most dominating performances on the ground, 256 yards on 35 carries, uh, 7.3 yards average. Now, granted, when you have a 75-yard run for a touchdown from Malik Knowles, that's going to that's gonna boost things. But And uh, about a 40-yard run later on. Yeah, 40-yard run from but Deuce Vaughn. No, I, I agree. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn uh, goes over 100 yards – uh, Will Howard had had a nice run uh, of 24 in the Q, QB run game, which is one thing that I thought he's done well with this year. And uh, Harry Trotter ch- uh, chipping in 32 yards. Uh, you know, K-State ran the ball well. I don't think you can really uh, deny that. And quite frankly, their best game running the ball all season, if you ask me. Now, Grant Baylor's defense isn't exactly uh, the 85 Bears. No one's confusing them for that. But – Nice uh, with a, with a makeshift offensive line and uh, not having really a team that has been oh gosh I'd say super strong running the ball all season that, that was at least a, one positive I think you can draw out of uh, out of this performance for K State offensively yeah I mean like you said it, it's keep in mind the opponent but you know if that's what you're supposed to do to bad defenses you're you're supposed to be able to punish them and uh, that's what K State did and and so yeah I thought I thought. The makeshift line uh, performed great. I, I think, I mean, there were some times where Howard felt pressure a little more quickly than he would have wanted to. But in terms of the run blocking, I thought they, they did a dynamite job, and I don't, I don't think there can be really any dispute about that. The numbers speak for themselves. Well, let's go ahead and kind of transition to maybe some more macro uh, issues, if you will. Okay. You've been a pretty outspoken advocate for Courtney Messingham, but a little bit of a defender of Courtney Messingham throughout the season. Yeah, people kill me for that. I don't know, and it, and it blows my mind. But go on. Well, I I'm, set the premise. I'm 
the premise is that you know K State, and and I I don't necessarily. I think it's it's nitpicky to say, oh man, that final drive, what's he doing? He, he you need to be playing more aggressively. You need to be doing more things. So, I mean, K State put up thirty one points. That should be enough to win against Baylor, and you know people have criticized Messingham kind of throughout the season uh, offensively. But I mean, look at what he has to work with. He's got a he goes from having a fifth year season starting quarterback with Skylar Thompson. Now a true freshman, Will Howard. That's going to shrink your playbook precipitously. I mean, right off the bat. Yeah. No, I I, I mean, totally agree. I mean, so he he's dealing with a little bit of a deck stacked against him to begin with, just due to injuries. Well, and don't forget that the, the offensive line is bad. Yeah, the offensive that, line is not great <laughs> either. Coming into I mean, the season, you're replacing five starters. Yeah, coming into the season, it was going to be uh, this K State offense has some good weapons with uh, some people. But the offensive line is the big question mark. And the offensive line, for the first time all season, did a good job run blocking on Saturday. But they haven't been very good this year. And then you, you factor in K-State's most important player on the team gets hurt. And guess what? The backup true freshman, believe it or not, isn't ready to play quarterback in the Big 12 yet. Yeah, and he doesn't have the benefit of, of getting warmed up against Bowling Green and you know, whoever else, Nickel State, you know, like what we had last year with our non-conference, non-conference slate. So, I mean, yeah, he's put into a – he's thrust into a very difficult position that, quite frankly, he shouldn't have to have been thrust into. But, no, granted, injuries happen, and, and, and there you go. Yeah, well, and sure. And then you take Wyking Gill gets hurt. Malik Knowles takes a step back, I think, is putting it charitably. And all of a sudden you look at this offense and you think, gosh, how are we going to – how do we move the ball? Because we can't really run, and the, we can't run, and we can't pass either. And so it's well, like, yeah. what I mean, do we, we have? Less than 100 yards passing. It's been, I think it was yeah, nine of 18 for 88. You have you have Will Howard against Oklahoma State, just tossing the ball to an Oklahoma State oh, wait, defender, you, and it's it, so you have all these confluences of just rough circumstances and. You look at this offense, it's so depleted, and you think, man, the only thing holding this offensive back is we should just be running better plays. That's the only explanation. Play callers, yeah. Play yeah, callers, and that's that's a thing that fans do when they can't complain about or they're tired of complaining about the quarterback. Then who else's fault can it be? Well, it must be the offensive coordinator's fault. But it, it I, I just when people complain about messing up, it's like, well, what plays do you want them to call? Because it's either we call running plays or we rely on Will Howard to throw the ball. And he's not very good at that yet. And he may never be. But he's definitely not good at that right now. Um, and so I, I think it's unbelievably unfair to, uh, to condemn Courtney Messingham based on what he's doing this season. Because, yeah, the results haven't been good, but... For crying out loud, he put up 31 points against Baylor. That, If that's not enough to win, that ain't Messingham's fault because that's about as much water as you can draw from this stone for K-State's offense. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. Full disclosure, I, I agree with you on that. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. The two things that I think are the strongest, uh, there's one point that I get to that I think was the strongest criticism of Messingham and the play calling 
against Baylor is not getting Malik Knowles more involved after his one yard or after his one long run. So he has a 75-yard touchdown run on K-State's fourth offensive play, and he touches the ball uh, two times after that. One, one via pass, one via run. Well, keep in mind he's a wide receiver. Sure. I mean, we can't. We can only run so many jet sweeps before those start getting blown up. Sure. And and I thought it was fairly clever to use that jet sweep action throughout the game, uh, not just to Malik Knowles because Knowles is a good player, but it he didn't do anything particularly dynamic on that run. I think that run was a product of really good blocking and Malik Knowles being fast, but other other guys can. I, I forget who else we ran the the jet sweep to, but um, it may have been. No, I mean the only four guys that carry the ball via box score: are Deuce Vaughn, Malik Knowles, Will Howard, and Harry Char. So I would assume it would have been. Huh. Deuce I, Vaughn. I, 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 yeah, it may have been. I, I forget who, but I know we ran the jet sweep more than once that game. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think he was targeted more than. <laughs> more than at one time, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is is that you can only utilize your wide receiver weapons for the most part if you have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And sure. I think that if that was a problem on Saturday, and I'm not here to to defend every single thing Messingham's done, uh, and especially not in the Baylor game. In particular, that second down call on the last drive, I thought was a little suspect going a gap power on yeah. a. Uh, on like a second and nine or whatever I it think was. It, yeah, sec- it was second and it, it wasn't a, I'm, I'm going to look here just so I make sure we – it was second and eight. So, I mean, yeah, second and eight, second and nine. So that, that was I, – I would have preferred we hit the edge. But as I was re-watching the game on Monday, it was – you know, I'm, I'm looking at that call and thinking, I, I wonder why I did that. But then I looked at the last drive, the, the drive just preceding the – the final drive of the sure. game, where we we went like four plays, sixty some yep, yards. Yep, four plays, sixty yards. So fifty-two. Um, in in that drive had consecutive runs of yeah. eight, the, eleven, and thirty-eight yards. Yeah. So think about it from this perspective. Let's say we run some, not for nothing. I know this has been talked about, but that first down call was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just a total misread by Howard. He had that's a quarterback read. He gave it to Deuce inside, but if you go back and look, the outside is wide open. You have Leonard's releasing, ready to go block really nobody on the edge. Howard could have waltzed to a, at least eight-yard gain there, which totally changes the complexion of how that game ends in my estimation. Yeah, if K-State picks up a first down on that drive... Then the knife starts twisting and yeah, the pressure absolutely. changes. Yeah. But, but misread by a true freshman, that has happened. Yep. Um, so now we're at second down, facing second down and eight. Let's say let's say we we look for uh, some kind of shallow. Do basically what we did on third down, where we run the wheel concept and he throws it to Deuce. Yeah. And then we're all thinking, I can't believe Courtney Messingham put the game in the hands of a true freshman, eighteen year old who had a bad night passing the ball and already threw two interceptions. Yeah. I mean, so you're damned if you do, damn. Especially when the last drive, we averaged like 15 yards a carry or something. Yeah. So that's fair. It's it's like, yeah, he did the intuitive thing there. He he did what had been working for all night and and kept the ball on the ground on second down and then on third down when second down got stuffed. Then yeah, you 
kind of have to throw the ball yeah. uh, to get the first down. So, I mean, I, I would have preferred probably a, a different run call. I would have gone hell. I would have gone QB read again. Yeah, um, and and that's that was the second Chris the cr- second critique, so to speak, is the end of game play calling. You know, but you've kind of you know dictated you know how how you see that. I, I don't have any disagreements with that really. I mean, the first down play, you, you know, a misread by Will Howard really could change the entire complexion of that drive and the end of the game. I, I think that's I think that's really well put by you. Yeah. That's a good, jo- that's a good job at it. Well, you. and so it's like, man, if, if you don't like the play calling, I'm all ears on what concepts you think would work better for this team. Because basically any any concept is going to require the, the quarterback to be competent. And right now, we just don't have that. And, and that's that's what's killing us. I mean... All of a sudden, it's it's crazy how this offense, how how Courtney Messingham became a horrible offensive coordinator, uh, about what five minutes into the second quarter against Texas Tech. Yeah, I was gonna say about right when Skylar Thompson goes out of the game. Yeah, and so it's like, yeah, we we don't have any weapons we can utilize besides Deuce, and that's really easy to defend if that's what defenses know is coming. And so, you know, maybe Courtney Messingham's a lousy offensive coordinator. Maybe he is. But I don't think you can make that determination this year with this offensive personnel he's having to try to score points with. I, I, I said, I've been saying it for a month. It blows my mind that we ever score any touchdowns. When you look at this personnel and you think, gosh, if defense is just focused on defending Deuce, then it's <laughs> then what else do you do? Yeah. And especially when Briley Moore is out, I mean, first rush, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, where? What is the offense's strength? Because you have well, a, you have you a, came into the season thinking it might be the wide receiving core. Well, right, and, but it, and, but that's and, not. Yeah, that's with, not true. With you know guys maybe taking a bit of a step back and also players leaving the program and injuries. Uh, you what you thought might be a nice little unit, maybe a little bit underrated in terms of. You know, I think all the preseason magazines when they put out their, you know, their their rankings of you know units across the Big Twelve. Case it was picked either last or near last, but you know, you thought there was some talent. I mean, obviously Malik Knowles kind of has a a quasi breakout year as as a redshirt freshman last year. Um, you know, it hasn't quite been as 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 good maybe as what I'm sure is what he's hoped for is what K State fans has hoped for. But I think also when you look at that, you don't have to look who's throwing the ball. I mean, you don't have you don't have Skylar Thompson who he had had established some rapport with. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of you know problem solving to see. Oh yeah, maybe you know some of these issues are somewhat connected here, so to speak. Yeah, because Howard, I mean. I, I understand he's a freshman, and I understand that he'll likely improve and that he's thrust into an unfair situation here. But Howard has played horrible this season. Just terrible. And so I think he'll get better, but it's like people don't want to... People know it's unfair to criticize Howard, you know, pin all the blame on him, so they just turn to the offensive coordinator. But it's like there are very few offenses that work if the quarterback is horrible. And I think that's I think that's the story of the second half of this season. Sure. Is that well, yeah, the offense is is just lousy because and it's not because the concepts don't work or or the they're calling the wrong plays. It's because the 
most offenses require a quarterback to be okay mm-hmm. or, or slightly yeah. worse than okay. Yeah, but, or just being able to get the ball out. I mean, because right now, every time he drops back, I hold my breath. Yeah. It, it's like, where's this ball going? It, you just don't know. And so, and, and he had some opportunities where a little high, a little low on, on sure. some passes where, you know, there was one, gosh, I can't remember exactly the who the receiver was. Sails it a little high, kind of in, in, in between zones. Play that a quarterback in the Big 12, you know, and I think Will Howard can make that throw. I mean, we've seen him make it before, but, you know, a little bit more seasoning, maybe that, that becomes a, a little bit easier for him. I want to ask you a question here, and I'm going to go hypothetical here. K-State's got Jake Rubley coming in next year, the true freshman, much ballyhooed recruit. Very, uh, yeah, a lot of ballyhooed behind uh, Out of uh, the Rocky Mountain State, uh, out of Colorado for those uh, playing at home. He'll be a true freshman. Will Howard, pretty much a whole year of starting underneath his belt, coming yeah. coming back. And then Skylar Thompson, should he decide to uh, to come back for, for another year at K-State, um, he could enter the mix as well. So obviously, if Will ha- or if uh, Skylar Thompson comes back, he's a starting quarterback. No uh, question. Yeah. No question about it. Now, let's say he decides not to come back. Do you have confidence that Will Howard will take a big enough step to uh, – I guess what I should really ask is, one, do you think Will Howard is able to take that step possibly uh, after another a full offseason? Let's let's assume in this, sure. in this hypothetical, yeah. everything – they have full spring practice, yep. everything's right back, to back, normal. back to normal. Or would you like to see Jake Rubley? What's behind door number two? What's behind door number two? And I, I think things will sh- will work itself out. I think you're going to see probably both of if if Skylar Thompson's not in the equation, I think you're going to see both of them play quite a bit. And I think it's going to be, uh, I wouldn't say reminiscent, but for for a K State perspective, I think it'll be somewhat similar to 2002 or 2001, even if you want to go sure. uh, to that. Uh, I get the question. Yeah. Do, do I have enough faith that Howard's going to be the guy next year, or, or do I want want it to be Rubley? Yeah. I mean, ideally, yeah, Rubley comes in and he's. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, but, well, that, but I think that would be ideal. I, th- I think this is all a function of whether Rubley's ready or not. Yeah, I just think it's impossible to to expect. I think a year in the program, I think, is a big. I totally agree. A big hurdle for Rubley to clear. I think it's unrealistic for people to think, "Oh, Howard's been horrible this year. I, I can't wait for Rubley to come in next year and cure our quarterback woes." Because guess what, Rubley's going to be. 18 next fall, yeah, he's too. Yeah, he's going to be Will Howard this year. Possibly, yeah, well, quite possibly. Yeah, and so w- there's there's just a learning curve, and that's why, you, I mean, when is the last time Bill Snyder started a freshman quarterback? Was it t- Skyler? Redshirt freshman, yeah. Redshirt freshman. And beyond that, never that yep. I can think of. Um and, and you the, you, now, if you get into the junior college discussion where it's the first year starting, sure, but, that's I, but, but, that, but, but yeah. it's totally different because yeah. those guys come in and they're 20, 21 years old sometimes. Yeah, and, and they so, play quarterback at the college level. And, and you even go back and look at first-year quarterbacks under Snyder. Look at 2001. Roberson had some flashes, but raw as hell that year. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And, and he was a redshirt sophomore. And so it's, it's so easy to discount the value of just having time in the hopper. And that's why if 
Thompson comes back, hell yeah. Because that yeah. does two things. It A makes our team a whole makes lot our team a whole lot more easy to watch next year. And B, it gives Howard a chance to actually be a freshman quarterback mm-hmm. and sit there and and just learn and not be getting his ass beat into the ground every week and spending hours in the tub and and just having him He's ran the ball a lot this season too. Yeah, he has. And that's there's something to be said for that. I mean people talk about, oh, this is great experience for him. Well, yeah, but there's also a trade-off there because he's not having the chance to just sit back and study and and, and just learn when sure. he's not having his brains bashed in. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think that odds on favorite for starter next year, assuming Thompson leaves, is is Howard. And and I think he'll take a significant step in the offseason, which doesn't mean he'll be ready next year either. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that he'll be markedly better than he is this year. And if he's not, then that's the time yeah, to start yeah, thinking, exactly. okay, if we're not seeing improvement here, then maybe this ship has sailed. But um, even then, he, hell, he's got – I mean, he could be our starting quarterback in 2000. Yeah, he could be the starting quarterback for the next five years possibly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, depending on, on what he decides to do. But, yeah, it's just an interesting situation. It, a lot hinges, of course, on Skylar Thompson coming back which I'm sure we'll discuss um, in further editions uh, of the short side option. But, you know, with it being senior day against Texas, um, I, it, it's something that definitely sticks to mind here as we, we, we hit the season finale. Before we uh, close the book here on Baylor, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, highlight the defense and, and what they did, uh, you know, really throughout the game. And now, granted, as we talked, they got worn down by the end. And... It was kind of a kind of a kick to to see such a great defensive performance. As I mentioned, seven sacks, thirteen tackles for loss. Uh, Wyatt Hubert was a menace back there uh, throughout the game. I thought uh, you know Drew Wiley was, was another force throughout the game. Whether if it was sacking the quarterback, getting pressures, all that stuff. Daniel Green had, had a nice game too, living behind the line of scrimmage. I, I it sucks that the defense had played. When you look at this, I mean, seven sacks. I like I had mentioned two behind the all-time uh, K-State record uh, for a game, but at the end of the day, they just kind of ran out of gas and you know a little bit uh, short-handed, of course, too, with with uh, Sullivan and Hughes being out at the linebacker position. But uh, it was really kind of a kick that uh, when, you, when you look back at this game that the defense is kind of probably get looked at holding the bag here a little bit in, in some respects. Hey, what do you think about Ross Elder? I think it's a little bit of the same thing to an extent as what we talked about with, with uh, Will Howard. Okay. What do you mean? Probably shouldn't be pressed into seeing nearly every snap uh, of, of a game in the Big 12. Um, you know, he had some nice – I thought he played really actually very well against Oklahoma um, early. I had very low expectations going into that game in terms of what we'd be – of how we'd match up with the Oklahoma wide receivers and, and that offense. But, I mean, quite frankly, he, he's gotten kind of exposed here, and I think that's just because he's probably been overplayed. Well, but, yeah. I mean, you he's a walk-on. You, you, don't have a whole, you don't have a whole lot of uh, other depth behind him. Yeah. What do you expect? Yep. He's a below-average – Safety in the Big Twelve. I don't know. I people. That's another 
popular scapegoat for fans I've noticed is that uh, that there's always a safety that you just hate. Oh yeah, there is, isn't there? I mean, you know, and it's usually because they're missing you know, tackles in you know, space, but those are hard tackles. You know, I mean, a lot of you know, was a low key guy that I hated back about two thousand four, two thousand five. This is a, this is a name kind of from the past. I think he's might have been a Wildcat legend at the time. Uh, or two. Are you going to say Jesse Tetuan? Uh, Brett Jones. <laughs> Brett Jones. Yeah, I like Brett Jones. Yeah, he was awful. Now, Tetuan lives in Jerry Cooper. Jerry Cooper too for. A certain subset of fans. People like Jared Cooper. Yeah, they do. They do, but Trent Smith, does that name ring a bell? Oh, yeah. He was was not the the most disciplined member of K-State's second. Or very good in coverage, but he was a great, great strong safety. Yeah, you bring him on a blitz, watch out. He was... He was in college football at the right time for for his style yeah, of safety. Yeah, he. Uh, you need someone to come up to, and delete somebody on on the option, maybe to the short side. Uh, Jared Cooper's the man for the job there. Yeah, you're. And he had a nice NFL career too, well, by the way. So, which I mean, is it's crazy. Obviously, he didn't. He didn't. He got in the NFL at the right time. Wasn't too. he married to like Lady Gaga or something? Didn't that sound? He was I like he was, was like, like dating a celebrity. I think it might have been Carmen Electra for a while. <laughs> I think it was somebody like that. Somebody hilarious. But yeah, you bring up a really good point. That man, that era was the really the about the only time Jared Cooper uh, could have ever gotten significant run at, at safety for a, a big time program. But um, yeah. Anyway, all the, all this bring back to is that people hate safeties. And and I think it's because when they start, well, yeah, when they yeah, when, when a defensive lineman screws up, it's, no, a, no. it's a six or seven yard game. Yeah. Um, when a safety screws up, the yards they give up, they're the last line sixty of yards. Yeah, they're the last line. Of and so it's yeah. it's it, when when Ross Elder misses a tackle, it it's stop the presses because a touchdown just happened. And that but that's part of being a safety too. But the other thing is is that they're asked to make a lot of. Tough tackles in space. So I don't know. I I agree with you. I uh I I think that he he's kind of put in a rough position playing this much just because he's frankly just not as talented as the people he's playing against. But um, but overall for being a walk on safety, I think he's he's added a value to this team just because he's getting. He's just playing so many snaps. Well, he's an inning eater. Yeah, he is. That's a, that's a very good way of putting it uh, with a baseball analogy there. Let's you know, the other guy that I think when you look at this, I don't think Wyatt Hubert's coming back. I don't think there's. I would be really surprised. I, but AJ Parker coming back would be really nice to have. Oh, any of these guys in the secondary that can, or it, really because AJ Parker, I think is the best open field tackler we have. And I, you know, quite frankly, against Iowa State, uh, I was as I was driving back to Scott City. Um, by was, the way, who was it that got juked out of their shorts on Saturday? That was, was that McPherson. Yeah, that was Jerome. That happens to Ross Elder. People are oh. in the street. No, <laughs> yeah, they, they might be. They might be pitchforks. <laughs> I mean, torches. The whole, the whole, that, the whole that's the guy that Elder is the guy that everybody's decided uh, is is. The problem on defense. But sorry, go on. Well, and I mean, just with AJ Parker, when I was listening to that Iowa State game, uh, Stan had made the uh, comment that they were going to use him at safety throughout the game, and I thought, you know, that's kind of a creative thing to do here because with that, 
kind of a weak spot in this K-State secondary. You throw in a guy like, you know, Keandre Thomas, you know, maybe covering the nickel or, you know, Will Jones would have been nice to have. Uh, of course, he's since left the program at that, at that nickel position. But I, I maybe maybe A.J. Parker can be just kind of that that Swiss Army knife, so to speak, in terms of what he's able to do uh, next year for Casey, whether if it's covering the boundary receiver, um, you know, blocking up the slot with the nickel, coming off blitzes, being a good tackler, which he's shown, or maybe it's even at safety. Maybe maybe he could find a home there with the whole offseason uh, to kind of get acquainted with that because, quite frankly, he's our best secondary uh, – well, one of our best secondary. I, you, could, you could argue Justin Gardner, of course, as well. But, you know, quite frankly, if he's able to come back, that would be – a huge win for K State uh, as we as we make our way uh, in, into 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you look up and down the defense, especially, and you think, man, if we can not lose almost it, it, any almost any of these guys, and I mean, you ex- it's, and you expect K State to be active in the transfer market uh, to try to to try to you know piece together something here with with transfers uh, as they've done you know previously of course with Briley Moore coming in this year uh, to to solidify the tight end position and then also with what they did last year at the running back position James Gilbert Jordan Brown uh, where guys had you know important roles on that team last year and so I think K State can can you know add through the transfer market. But then again, those are guys that have played football, but they haven't, you know, this is their first year in the program, so to speak. So you can't necessarily have too high of expectations for them, but it should help bridge the gap a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and there's a couple positions that you look at. Yeah, uh, linebacker. Linebacker. Defensive line, defensive end, possibly, with Wyatt Huber possibly going on to the next level yeah. uh, as he's – you know, certainly, certainly was receiving a lot of high praise uh, during the broadcast uh, as a guy that's not going to get past the second day of the NFL draft, being a, a top 100 pick. But you know, hopefully, I mean, he could come back. I suppose I, I'd be surprised if he does, but someone will have hopefully. To, yeah, we'll have to see. So, let's close the book here on Baylor. Any final thoughts? No, um, it's just this K State team isn't very good right now, and they haven't been very good for about a month. Um, and you know that's that's really it. It's it's a shame they lost the game because it's one that you know you look back and you think, man, that's the one that kind of got away from us. But I I think as disappointing as it is to say, looking back on how the season played out, I mean, I think K State and Baylor are two comparable teams, and sure. it was a dogfight for most of the game on Saturday night, and uh, Baylor came out on top. I, I don't think it's it's all that much more complicated than that. Well, let's go ahead and look at the uh, the upcoming matchup on Saturday, 11 a.m. on Fox against the Texas Longhorns. You got two programs and two teams right now that are in, in a little bit of a different state right now, right? Yeah. Uh, you've got Texas losing to uh, to Iowa State last weekend. Uh, it, it was a really good game. Yeah. Really good game. Um Iowa State, a lot of credit for them to go on the road and win that one, 23-20. Cameron Dicker misses a a field goal. I think it was a 58-yarder, 56-yarder. I mean, but and he had the leg, just just you know, foot to the left on that one. And Texas is you know gets that game to overtime, and who knows? uh, Could uh, 
could possibly have, have saved Tom Herman's job because I think he's on his way out at Texas. There's heavy speculation that, that he will be uh, at, at the end of the season. be interesting to see what direction Texas goes there. Do they, go, do they call him Matt Campbell uh, at Iowa State? Uh, maybe. I've, I've seen some... Uh, Herb? Well, the brand yeah. sister. I, I think there's a. I, we've talked about this before too, off air. Where there's some interesting names uh, that I think Texas could go after quickly. Who are some of those names? I, I think they can set their sights higher than Houston's coach. I know Herman was much ballyhooed at the time that he was hired. He was but, very highly ballyhooed. Now, because you remember, they got into a bidding war with LSU over Tom Herman. Yeah, and. And I, at the Quite time, frankly, I don't know if Ed O is going to be there for a whole lot longer. Well, and at the time, and this is, I, I know this sounds like with the benefit of hindsight, just because of the Tom Herman era, he's going to get fired this year. But at the time, I remember thinking, man, this, you guys are Texas. You don't need to be trolling Conference USA or the American for your next head coach. Go, go, go grab. Dabo Swinney or somebody. And obviously, you're not going to get Dabo. But I think they can make a run at somebody like James Franklin. Somebody like yep. Dan Mullen, possibly. Uh, Dan Mullen. Lieutenant Dan. I would be a that's, But that's the, that's the type of targets they need. I mean, look at A&M. They went and got Dabo. Or Jimbo. Jimbo, Jimbo yeah. Sorry. Other O. Other, yeah, other Bo. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you're Texas. Back up the Brinks truck and go poach. Somebody, well, one of the one like the A minus program coaches. Well, the funny thing too is, you know, when they hired Tom Herman, oh Nick Saban, he's he's an option. You know, there was there was all sorts right. of, there were all sorts of talk about that. Now Urban Meyer would be that would be the A plus hire, right? I mean, you, you no certainly think so. He hasn't he hasn't done a mediocre job anywhere he's been. No. <laughs> Far from it. Uh, I think, for my money, the second best coach in college football. If he was to get back into the mix, um, I at, think uh, I think Davo might have something to say. He, about that. And that's fair. That's fair. But uh, certainly, top three, a premier, an S tier, as the kids are saying these days. Is that what they are? Yeah. I, what's that mean? It's a tier rating system that you see on memes sometimes. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Know. Well, I'm 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 kind of into memes, so yeah. I, I like those. Uh, but uh, oh, well, that's, thanks for getting me up to speed. But I think I th- yeah I think, but somebody in, on that level, I mean, I think that they can make a run. It there should only be about five or ten people in the country that they couldn't go poach, um, and so yeah, I, I I think a guy like James Franklin is. Right for the picking for Texas. Well, it'll be interesting to see because that will be the yeah take take your pick between that and Michigan as what the best job that's going to come available. I think Texas is probably a better job than Michigan, uh, just due to talent base and you don't have to play Ohio State year in year out. Yeah, uh, but you got Oklahoma. But so. you got Oklahoma exactly, and I think I, I mean I would think that the path that Texas would be a little bit easier, but it is. That's, that's neither here nor there. The other thing too with Texas going on is, you know, with K State, we've documented the the transfer uh, exodus that has left the K State program. I think it is either ten or eleven players that have transferred out since the beginning of the season. Texas is dealing with a little bit something different. They have a couple guys opting out uh, now. They are not in Big Twelve title contention. 
uh, to get to to get to Arlington for the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Samuel Cosme and Caden Stearns have opted out, uh, starting left or starting offensive tackle uh, with Cosme and uh, and uh, safety with Caden uh, Stearns. Both guys have obviously NFL futures, uh, so they're opting out. You know, it, it's one of these things. Is it's an 11 o'clock game in Manhattan, Kansas? Your coach is getting fired. Icon. You've got you've got a couple of players opting out now, and you don't know where their minds are at. They're ready for the season to be over as well. Icon. What do you think, man? I mean, I'm just saying. I think we're going to get a little the, bit of a little bit of who wants to be there more could be a, a big factor in this one. I don't think it's going to be a factor at all. You know what it kind of reminds me of in, in some ways? What? Remember the game that Charlie Strong got fired? Against KU? Yeah, but that was a really bad Texas team. Well, I don't think K-State's as bad as KU is. No, but... but Texas, this Texas team is bad. But the, the Texas, this Texas team has... Texas's floor is a lot higher. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not no, saying... No, that said, Texas did... They did lose to TCU. Yeah, that was kind of a head scratcher. That was early on in the season too. I don't right? really get that. Well, when I watched that game, that's when that was, I believe, the game right before K State played them, or maybe there was a bye week in between. But God, that TCU offense was moving the ball against because I mean I do remember that was TCU had played Texas right before they played K State, and we got on here and looked like horses patoots. Saying, "Oh, this TCU offense is yeah, they they got they're watch out. They're, they got they have some explosive playmakers. They've got they're, a, a they're quarterback pretty, with Max Duggan that can run, can throw. They're pretty multiple. And uh, yeah, against K State, they looked about as anemic as it could get. Now, granted, K State pretty good defense, but gosh, that that TCU game, TCU looked as inept as I've ever seen a a, a, a TCU yeah. offense. Yeah. Now." That was a that was a head scratch for Texas, of course. But you look here. I I think Texas motivation is going to be a question for them. I think coming into this game, yeah. Against K-State, but they have the talent. I think Texas just needs to put on. Remember to bring the eh, shoulder pad. I wouldn't go that far. If they roll their hat out there, they roll their helmets out there, and think that they're just going to walk over K State. I think they're going to be in for a game. Uh, you have more faith. Than I, I, I just look at this K-State team right now, and I just I just think that they're really bad. I mean, I... I well, I don't disagree with that. Well, and, and I, I just don't see how K-State's offense is going to do anything. And I think if, uh, you know, depending on K-State's linebacker situation, which I expect to, to still be limited to Green and Fletcher, I, I just think that... Um, so it, it's co- it's COVID issues with Hughes and that's my Sullivan. assumption. Well, then they should be able to play. I mean, I thought they were were they? Uh, oh, you're right. No, they, so they might. I mean, that's two weeks now that they haven't played. I I would if it's if it's only yeah, COVID so, issues, then I would think that they could. That's be a fair point. I yeah. mean, but and, who knows? And, and if they're back, then sure. Then maybe the K six defense can. Uh, make life hard for the Horns' offense, but even so, it's it's a pretty talented yeah. Texas offense, and, and I just I just don't see how K State's offense does it. I mean, I don't see how K State gets to 17 points. Well, you know, when you look at this Texas offense, I mean, yeah, Sam Ellinger's where that offense kind of begins and ends. But I mean, 17 points against West Virginia in a win, 23 points against Iowa, or 20 points, excuse me, against Iowa State. So it hasn't been lighting up the scoreboards necessarily. Uh, 
Fair enough. But those are two pretty good defenses, sure. too. Sure, sure. And, and I, K-State's defense hasn't given me a ton of faith over the last uh, couple weeks, and maybe that all changes once Sullivan and Hughes get back in the mix. But bottom line is, I, I, I think it's a little unfair of K-State's defense to say, okay, you got to hold Texas to two touchdowns or, oh, well, or we're going to lose mean, the game. I, I don't know. It, if K-State's off, I think you'll know early on, too. If Texas is, is motivated to play and they're not walking through this one, you'll see it early on. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just I think that Texas scores more than 20 points, and I don't think K-State does. Okay. <laughs> so, well, so, hey, I try to make a case for K-State, too. Hey, I appreciate I, it. I, I, I like the motivation angle. I like the Otad angle. I and, and maybe, hell, stranger things have happened. We have had, I mean, we've Worst, had some, I mean, historically we've had some success against Texas. That's what, yeah, I, I was I was thinking Tom back. Burden, we haven't as well, had I was, any, but. I was thinking back, you know, K-State's beat better Texas teams with, uh, possibly teams are about on par with where K-State's at. I mean, 2006 was a bad K-State team. True freshman quarterback. I, you're talking yourself into it, aren't you? Number four ranked Texas at you. Well, Texas comes in this game not number four. So does that change your calculus at all? Uh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I think that, hey, you're kind of, I'm kind of starting to buy what you're selling. Yeah, so. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing things out there. I'm, I'm just, I'm presenting both sides of the What's argument. What's the line on this game? Casey? Wow. Okay, so that's jumped quite a bit. They had... I thought they opened up at an eight. I'm seeing now here on ESPN, uh, K-State's now a 10-point that, dog. That line, I find shocking. I don't. <laughs> I don't find it shocking. <laughs> I, I've, I would have said it at about, I would have said it where it's at now, about 10 points. I, I would have said it closer to uh, 17, I think. Okay. Three scores? Yeah. Um, if K-State... Keeps this game with intent. If K-State covers this, then bravo. But I, I don't, I don't have any faith in that happening. And hopefully, I'm, hopefully, I'm totally wrong. And because they have the over under at fifty one and a half. Yep. So they're, they're guessing something like, uh, help me, thirty to twenty or thereabouts, give or take. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that would if K State keeps it within ten points. If K State can be competitive in this game, then I hats off to the coaches because K State's leaking oil like crazy. They're facing a pretty darn good tech, Texas team, one that's talented enough. I mean, obviously this hasn't been a dream season for Texas or anything, but one Texas is clearly the better team right now. Um, well, in Texas, I mean, all the games that they've lost, two points to TCU, uh, eight points in. Quadruple overtime to Oklahoma, three points to Iowa State. Yeah. So I mean, you look at it, two touchdowns go the other way throughout the season. I mean, now they so, had a close win against a couple had, teams. So. Yeah, they they beat Oklahoma State in overtime. Like like anything else, you are what basically your what your record yeah. is. Yep. So, um, the Bill Parcells anyway, said that by the way. Big tuna. The big tuna, absolutely. Uh, so I don't know. You you have more faith in the oddsmakers have more faith in. The, K-State than I do, or maybe less faith in Texas than I do. But uh, we'll see. I, I think I'd be surprised if the game is competitive. But okay, well, maybe I'm falling victim to uh, recency bias or something. But. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot. You don't, I, I, I know which I, I tried to make 
I tried. I tried my darndest to get you to to buy into maybe uh, what I was selling there. But I'll, I'll say something like what I expect to happen. I don't know. 34, 13. Okay. 37 to 10, somewhere in that range would be my guess. Give or take 7 to 10 points either way. But I I think Texas wins it comfortably. I just don't I just don't know how we move the ball. It's been an issue. It's been an issue here, hasn't it? Yeah, it kind of has, huh? Yeah, I guess it has, huh? So I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction here. And this is – now stay with me here a little bit, okay? All right. So I'm going K-State dropping a close one, 27-24. Wow. And, and that's just the, the motivation angle you think – K-State offense is going to put up some points. Maybe special teams gets back into the mix. I, I I see it a little similarly to the Baylor game in, in kind of how I see it playing out. I think K-State gets out to a nice nice start, you know, ha, ha, is in the game throughout, maybe takes a lead here at the end. I think Sam Ellinger probably wills Texas to win. Kind of the same way we see Charlie Brewer put it together there in the second half. I think you see something similar. And uh, – they get uh, they get Tom Herman a win here as his his tenure at Texas seems to be on the outs. Yeah, so I, I'm taking K State to to cover the ten. I don't feel great about it, but I I feel like there's a case for K State here in this game because I do think that the motivation angle is 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 something here. Now, granted, it, there's not going to be any fans there. I don't believe. I don't even. I, I assume they're going to have like you know each player gets two tickets or something like that. So you might have. You know, a couple hundred people there in the crowd, which lulls Texas to sleep even more. I, I Wait, they're not doing fans against Texas? No, no, not against Texas. Interesting. No, no, no band, no nothing in terms of just non-relatives. As, huh. And I don't even know. I assume, I didn't, I didn't I assume they're having relatives and, and family members there or whatever. Uh, for this game, I'm not even positive on that. I, I had I hadn't seen anything. That, no students, no nothing. No. Wow. Well. Sad so, times. Sad senior day. So, it, yeah, really an anti-class. And now they're, and I had read they're going to honor every senior. Uh, every senior is going to go through the, the senior day proceedings. Now, granted, of course, with the, the, uh, the you know, you get uh, an extra year of eligibility now. They, they can choose to come back, of course, for a fifth year or, or sixth year. Or, gosh, for Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan, it seems like an eighth year. Uh, for those guys, they might be AARP by the time they get out, they, by the time they leave Manhattan. But uh, it, it'll it'll be interesting because it, it's not a normal senior day for sure. So I'm going 27-24 Texas close game. You're gonna go in, you at 34-13. Uh, yeah, I'm going like uh, what I say 34-13. Uh, I, I think that's what. You're yeah. Doing. Okay. Well, that'll do it here for the Iowa State Baylor. Review and Texas preview here on the Short Side Option podcast. After a quick break, we'll be back answering your questions in the Ask the Icon segment, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll tackle those. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing from from our listeners. Stay with us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option podcast. It's the Icon, the Con Man, and Delu here with you to uh, get into a segment that we like to call Ask the Icon. Where listeners to the Short Side Options podcast uh, can ask the very uh, the very icon himself uh, any question they want. 
Usually it's about sports. Usually it's sports questions. Other times it's questions about some silly stuff. We handle them all. We feel them all. And this is a chance for really to get inside the icon's kind of twisted mind, if you think about it. Um, and listeners can uh, ask those questions by tweeting them at us at the Short Side Option Podcast. That's at TSSO underscore podcast. Or by using the hashtag AskTheIcon. Or in uh, other instances, just text us if you have our phone numbers. Text us and about... 40% of the time when you text us, uh, we'll remember to read those questions on the air. And this week is one of those times. Uh, because, in fact, uh, listener Steve Z uh, texted me a number of questions this week. And uh, we're just going to get right into it here. Four questions from Steve Z. I call oh, you ready? rapid fire. Let's this hear is it. A, this is a four-bagger. Okay. That's what I call it in bowling. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for A it. hand bone of questions. First up, how hard should we be trying to get Skyler to come back next year? As hard as we can. Uh, I think if K-State gets Skylar Thompson back in the fold and he's our starting quarterback next year, provided he stays healthy, K-State can win seven, eight games. You yeah. know, I, I think the floor of K-State next year with Skylar Thompson, an experienced quarterback, is definitely elevated um, with, with his uh, presence back there at the quarterback position. Otherwise, I mean, gosh, it, it, to me it's uh, – it's a real mixed bag uh, with what, as we kind of, as you and, and I went through, who knows what, uh, if it's a quarterback room with Will Howard and, and uh, Jake Rubley next year, how that looks. I mean, who, who knows? So it, the, getting the note of Skylar Thompson back in the fold would be, would be something that would be very beneficial for K-State. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, when we looked at Will, or when we looked at Skylar Thompson, and I don't think it's just us, I think, K-State fans in general, they looked at him and said, you know what, if we start get off to a kind of a rough start this year, let's get Howard in there. I mean, gosh, I remember some folks were saying kind of the same thing about uh, John Holcomb, you know, saying, let's see what we, we got behind him. Skylar Thompson's kind of, you know, he is what he is, you know, so on and so forth. Well, we, we missed that a little bit of that consistency and, and knowing what you're going to get because uh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Door two is not always necessarily better than door one and knowing what you got. So uh, I, I would love to have Skylar Thompson back for another year. Now you brought up a name there that I want to touch on real quick. Let's say John Holcomb's still in the program. Do you think the offense this year works better with John Holcomb than it does Will Howard? Um... That's a that's a good question. Um, hard I, to, I, it's hard to say just because we don't know really anything about what John Holcomb can do as a quarterback. Um, but shoot, it's like maybe. Well, maybe, but I think you'd have a lot of the same issues uh, with with uh, John Holcomb. Yeah, I mean, you, just think you, you never saw much of him throwing the ball, right? Yeah, bigger, probably stronger, more Colin Klein-esque runner, I would think. Oh, yeah, the, the QB run game's been fine, though. I, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been as – it's not, you know, as explosive as it might have been with Colin Klein, Daniel Sams, someone who's really more of a, a down, downhill runner with, with Klein and then a more explosive runner with Sams. But uh, those are just two names yeah. that come to mind here in the more recent time frame. But uh, interesting question. I think the offense looks about the same. Hmm. All right. Question two from Steve Z. Sorry, I kind of didn't ask you that. Hey, that's all right. It felt, that's pretty good. good. We'll get you in the mix there, absolutely. Uh, if you got to kick the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator to the curb, which one would you choose? Well, I would choose neither, to be to be 
forthright with my answer. If I had to choose one to to get out, I would probably say Messingham. Yeah, just but, because Kleinerman's done it. Yeah, I think, but I don't think either of them is 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 quite as bad as as maybe the the public would allow you to believe. But you know, gosh, I I think as we've mentioned, and uh, we don't need to rehash you know the ins and the outs of it as we already have kind of done that. But gosh, I I look at that and I see, you know, what Messingham's had to deal with true freshman quarterback, an exodus of the wide receiver room, running back room, uh, a little thin behind uh, Deuce Vaughn. It's been tough for him. Of course, too, breaking in a whole brand-new starting offensive line. So he's had his work cut out for him. Agreed. Well said. Uh, Right now the Cats plus – right now the line is Cats plus 9.5. I think that has since moved to 10. Uh. Yes, which side are you betting on? Well, as my prediction indicates, I think it's a close game. I, I would take K-State. Wouldn't feel great about it, but I, I think it's one of those things that you're going to see early on. If Texas is motivated, it, it could get ugly. You could rip so, up that ticket there and, ah, and, and maybe the five-minute mark of the first quarter. You never know. You never know. But I, I think K-State comes out and gets a spirited effort. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. Texas, a little, little bit of concern on the motivation, possibly. All right, and wrapping that up, he says, if I told you one Big 12 head coach was a vegetarian, which one would be your first guess? Well, that would that's a good question. Um, I would say Dave Aranda because the book's kind of – He's kind <laughs> he's of a very book. confident. Like, uh, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Yeah, I have, actually. You know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, which, which of these guys are, are, are strictly carnivores. Now, the other side of that question, which coach – well, give your rationale for Dave Aranda. Okay, so Dave Aranda, isn't that great? I don't know much about him, but apparently neither does anyone else because during the broadcast uh, during the, the K-State-Baylor game, the, uh, the announcers made the mention that, you know, Dave, Dave Aranda, by nature, is an introvert, which, hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, he said, you know, this year – it, it, he's he's really kind of had to. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know he's really had to kind of get to know his players a little bit better. And I'm like, well, yeah, what a burden for a coach, <laughs> uh, a college football coach, you have to get to know your players. God, I mean, what what's this world coming to? So it's like, hey, hey, 38. Uh, what's your favorite color? What, yeah, what's your favorite? Color? What do you like to do on weekends when you're not studying film and and uh, going through your playbook? Hey, uh, Jones, what are your three favorite hobbies? Yeah. Mine? <laughs> bike rides. Football. <laughs> and I like to read every now and then. You know, it's like... What, what, I like college football. <laughs> hey, he's a football guy. You know, we, we, have, we respect that here on the short side option. But uh, Yeah, that is kind of funny. You know, he, so, you know, with him just being kind of an enigma, possibly. Morris, what's your golf handicap? Coach, I don't golf. <laughs> Yo, Golf! Well, you should. You know, there's pl- there's great public courses around here in the Greater Waco area. It'll serve you well in the business world. Exactly. I mean, th- these are things he's would so yeah, I guess relationships. I mean, although the kind of persona we've given does I, I, makes, what, sounds what, more stern than you would expect a vegetarian to sound. Well, you know, vegetarian term. Yeah. Uh, what if I told you that uh, Les Miles was vegan? Is he really? He was at, at, at some point. Well, I know he eats the grass. You know, that's kind of his, well, his yeah. thing, right? I, I can't remember if that's it was a, a, a miles-to-go thing or whether it was some preseason articles this year. But 
Um, I know at one point he was like vegan light, he called it, where he was like vegan most of the time, but sometimes he'd uh, have a cheeseburger or something. Come on, Les. Come on, Les. Get with the, stick with the program here. How, yeah. how, how, here's a question. Maybe this, this maybe leads to a broad, Maybe we've just solved KU football. If Les is a buying in to his own diet, how does he expect buy-in from anyone else? That's... I th- is it is it that simple? Did we just solve? Do, do we need to edit this out so Cut the, the boys the boys in in, in Larryville don't uh, don't uh, you know solve Fix their fo- don't solve their football woes? Yeah, maybe, maybe he just needs to maybe lay it's, off the stick. Maybe, maybe it's that simple. Practice what you preach. Uh, anyway, that that was a great. Uh, that's a good job there, four by Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's good work out of him right there. Yeah, uh, and our uh, final question this week. Uh, comes from listener Trim at TrimGoEma. Trim asks, what is the icon's favorite K-State-related birthday gift he's gotten over the years? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Um, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm having a tough time recalling just K-State-specific gifts for, for my birthday. Maybe this will drag your memory. He also asks, what's the most k state gift he's ever gotten? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll think about what I'll answer the first part first. Uh, it was back in two thousand and uh, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven was the year. You were a. I was junior, a high school. Your junior year of high. Oh, sophomore, sophomore year, yeah, high yeah. school. Sophomore year of high school. K State played like Sacramento State in basketball. Oh yeah, who could forget that? My, Michael Beasley's debut. Yeah. And he had like, I want to say like 38 points, 20 rebounds. I mean, it was just an unbelievable. And that was, you know, first game of his his career. Same thing, obviously, for Jacob Poland. We didn't quite know what we had there on our hands, possibly. We knew what we had with Michael Beasley, of course. But Jacob Poland might have been a little bit of a, of a lesser-known commodity at that point. And he goes on to be... Uh, you know, I, I, as, as you may have seen floating around Twitter, uh, the, the K-State fan, or the Kansas State fan, uh, whatever he, I he think does a good job. He does. That. He does a really good job. They had a, a, a countdown to basketball season, releasing the top 25 uh, players over the last 20 years, I believe it was, and one and two, Michael Beasley, Jacob Pullen. Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of there's going to be a lot of argument around that. There might be a little bit of argument surrounding uh, Michael Beasley at one instead of Jacob Pullen. Uh, you know, that's up for debate. I would have probably gone Pullen at number one. You know, I would I would have gone like Marcus Hayden. You the the big the big man from Midwest City, Oklahoma. That's right. He's a nice player. He did a good job. Nice player. Um, I think he finished out his career at Washburn uh, as an Ichabod, but a talented player nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so we got we got tickets to that game. You know that that was the birthday. Oh, you saw the oh you saw the debut. I saw the debut. That was that was scheduled, so to speak. And then my parents. Uh, we, we went out, to, I think, it, I, I can actually remember, we went out to Panera Bread afterwards. Uh, yeah, to, oh, Panera to, does a great job. Yeah, we, we were just going to stay the night in Manhattan and drive home back to Scott City on, uh, on I think it was a Saturday, because it was a, it was a Friday night game. Chris, we're going to the basketball game, we're going to Panera Bread. And then we're going home. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to stay the night, we're going to, you know, hang out here, Happy do some shopping. But then they surprised me. Surprised me with tickets. Because I'd always wanted to go see a K-State Nebraska game in Lincoln, and they surprised me with tickets, saying, "Hey, we're gonna, instead of going back to the hotel, 
here in Manhattan, we're going to drive up to Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, watch this uh, watch K State play Nebraska. Joe Gans is still throwing for <laughs> touchdowns in that game. I think he just found is that like the seventy? Oh, yeah, one to thirty or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was man. We so the way and I it's, I have such a vivid memory about this is we're sitting there. So I, I don't know if you've been to a Nebraska. Game I have never in, been in Lincoln. It, it, it was a fun experience, uh, minus the game, of course. But when you get there, we didn't have like parking, like a like. It, it's not like Casey where you have a huge lot, or at least we. This is not where we parked. We parked in a parking garage, and you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska, they they apparently just jam people into these parking garages. We were double parked. We couldn't leave. Even if we wanted to. We had to sit there through the entire marauding of K-State. I mean, it was painful to watch. It's like that meme where, from A Clockwork Orange where the guy's like eyelids are pried open. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was, I mean, I remember like at this point, K-State's down by 30, whatever it is. And Justin McKinney blows up like a screen pass. Skinny McKinney? And he... he just gets up and celebrates like he stopped fourth and one to win the Super Bowl. I'm like, dude, we are down by 35 points. You've given up 750 yards passing to Joe Gans and a Nebraska team that has not won a game in three months. And you're getting a taunting penalty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was it was painful to watch. And the Nebraska fans around us were just having fun. I mean, they they hadn't seen a win in in two or three months. I mean, they they yeah. remind you. This is the week right before, I believe, where they gave up 75 or whatever it was to KU. And now they were they were so happy to to win, of course, but they were just even happier that the Bill Callahan uh, era was coming to a close. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it was. And uh, you know what? Hey, you know Bill Callahan coaching a Super Bowl? You know, last time Nebraska was in a conference-style game? It was with Bo Pelini. Yeah, Bo Pelini, the one-second Game. Yeah, but before that, Bill Callahan, man. Hey, he coached in the Super Bowl as you mentioned, and, he, and then he's uh, you know he's done a nice job get, bouncing back and coach for the uh, coach for the Dallas Cowboys as the offensive line coach for a while. And I'm looking him up because I think he's still he's still around. He yeah he's the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are having a really nice season. They're going to get back to the playoffs. Hello, Husker fans. It got in the winter, Husker fans. <laughs> Double got though, Husker fans. That's another bit for a different day, but that's one of my favorite favorite. Uh, Bill Gallian does a good job. He does. He does a really nice job. And uh, well, that's a gr- that's a great story, Icon. Yeah, um, you got to go up and watch. Boy, what an action packed K State weekend it was. And then you know what we did after that? What did they? What what was that uh, old marketing thing where there'd be like. A basketball game, a football game, and like a home volleyball game or something. Yeah, I mean, and they they got like a Wildcat weekend or something. Yeah, something like that. Well, and then I remember it because this was a different type of Wildcat weekend. We um, we made our way back to Manhattan on Sunday because now now it's all coming back together for me. Wait, so you went to the basketball game on Friday? Get you drive up to Lincoln on Friday night. Yep, stay there for the night. You go watch the Brassies wax K State, and then after the game, you drive back to Manhattan. Uh, th- that Sunday, we drive back to Manhattan because K State played another basketball game. That was the, the we were going up there for two basketball games. Holy! Oh, I see. And they played Pittsburgh State, 
in a game that um, K-State was struggling in. Like, they were losing for at least part of the game. It was close throughout the second half. And um, Michael Beasley and K-State go to, to, a, to, a, to a win there. But you may remember this Pittsburgh State game fondly as a Pittsburgh as a gorilla fouls out of the game, and uh, you know he, we, you know, the, the student section left let, right, yeah, left yeah. right him off, and he he does the you know sit down and you know while we're shooting a free throw or whatever, and then when they yell sit down he flips the double bird to the student <laughs> section. <laughs> it's kind of a baller move. It, it, it's a it's a it's a power move for sure. I mean, and that's 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 good stuff from there. But uh, I also remember another thing from that weekend that that you know sticks maybe to, maybe of interest to you here. This is the uh, this is the best K State birthday present you ever got. Yeah, and uh, but later in that but that night we saw Illinois upset Ohio State at the Horseshoe. Number one Ohio State. Uh, that Wo- Saturday, Juice Williams. Yep, that's and, right. That was a big time game. There, we all remember where we, we were. All, we, during that. I, I, I know exactly where I was. Exactly. So that's, it was a great weekend. In terms of the worst gift, I mean, there's no such thing as a bad gift because you know shows people care for you. Yeah. And this isn't even a birthday gift, but it's a Christmas gift, I believe. My mom got me some K State floor mats. Oh, for your And I said, hey, mom, you know, I don't really need floor mats the ones i have are fine and so it's kind of become a running gag that whenever you know she's like well what do you want for christmas and i'm notoriously hard to shop for because i just don't really care I, i'm fine with whatever yeah so like, well if you don't don't give me a list or don't give me a wish uh, i'm gonna you get your floor gonna mats. get you new floor mats and i said you know what i can use new floor mats. the floor mats don't sound as bad as they once did <laughs> yeah. so uh you know at that point uh I, you know, of course you're always... K-State floor mats is a nice K-Stadio gift. But the other thing, too, is... With it's, a, it's amazing that that product exists. Well, the thing is, too, is you don't want maybe floor mats of your favorite team. Right? Yeah, kind of. You're kind of just stepping on them, right, a yeah. little bit? So, I don't know. Maybe it's counterintuitive to a certain extent. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, no, like, like floor mats, yeah, floor mats are prime K-Stadio. So, uh, a, a good job by your mom there and a good job by you. Also a good job by Trim for uh, asking that great question. That, I don't think he would have thought that he would have got that that, that detail anecdote of 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 a, what was a great Wildcat weekend. Going two for one, two and one, I guess football game. You know, if you look up at the total scores of that, we might have got outscored in, in three games aggregate. But that's for a different time. Yeah, to, to break that down. Well, that wraps up uh, this week's Ask the Icon. Icon, any final thoughts before we leave? Yeah, you know, K-State comes into this Texas game on a four-game losing streak. You know, granted, they're still going to probably go to a bowl game because every team's eligible to go this year as long Who knows? I, I mean, mean, who knows what's going to happen? They're, there's they're, they're canceling bowl games like crazy left and right. right. Yeah, who knows what's going to be available. Um, but, gosh, it would be great to close out the season, the regular season, with a, with a good performance against Texas. I, I, I expect K-State to, to compete and play well. Um, and then, you know, it, I think it would be extremely important for this program to, to get that extra three, four weeks of practice. You know, you say that, it might only actually be two weeks, depending on when that bowl game falls uh, for us, because we're here in, in December and, you know, bowl games could take place, um, you know, the 26th, 27th, uh, uh, and even earlier possibly. So... You know, it might not be the full bowl experience because these kids aren't going to get the full bowl experience because 
you're not just going to quite have the the the, the get up to it and, and getting all the you know there I remember it was against Texas or the, against Texas A&M at the Texas Bowl they had the the ring they, they had the roundup where they were roping and steer wrestling oh, yeah. and all that stuff I don't know if you're going to see that this year but maybe uh, not. But maybe they'll get a nice iPad or something. You know, the deal. Or yeah. a nice gift card to nice, uh, JC Penney's or something. A nice, um, yeah, cheese it bowl duffel bag. Yeah, that's better, better than nothing. nothing. Absolutely. Well, uh, that so that kind of wraps it up for me. I mean, I just think that this season's been tough for K State. It started out really, really quite promising. Uh, you know, through through the first four or five games of conference play, it's hard to think that you know a month ago. We controlled our own destiny to get to the, the Big 12 title game, and now we're just kind Seems of, like a lifetime. It does. It really does. But that's just kind of the nature of, of the beast this year, and, and we'll see how K-State's able to close it out and hopefully get some momentum going into 2021. Very, very well said. Anything you'd like to add? No, I, I just want to echo uh, kind of your thoughts and say that, yeah, that extra practice time, especially in a, in a hamstrung, uh, shortened off season that we experienced this year uh, would go a long way, and also for people to just keep perspective and understand that, you know, sometimes college football you just get dealt a bad hand. I mean, you, you get unlucky. It, this was always going to be uh, kind of a tough year losing the offensive line, and then you lose the quarterback, and all of a sudden uh, the wheels start coming off, and uh, and things look pretty ugly. But you know, sometimes that's somebody's fault and sometimes it's just you're dealt kind of a crummy hand and and had some bad luck and so now we're staring down the barrel of a four and five four and six season and the thing too is that i i think when you talk about perspective on this you know of course pandemic all that stuff i think you see more players transfer due to that of course but i'll tell you it doesn't take a pandemic shortened season or COVID-related things, to have your starting quarterback go down. That can happen anytime. And uh, yeah. K-State would have been, if it was just a normal season, if K-State would have, would lose Skylar Thompson week three or week four. We're screwed. We're just as in <laughs> a, a bad a shape then we're as we are now. So, um, so yeah. When that, lesson learned that when you have a competent senior quarterback who's backup as a freshman, maybe hold off on uh, calling for the freshman because – the the seniors not uh, he, an old he, Big Twelve caliber player. Yeah, he's not exactly uh, you know. Yeah, Norvan Brocklin back there. Or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah nobody's one of, one of those things. Yeah, he may not be uh, Mike Machete, but he's certainly a pretty good quarterback. Absolutely. Well, I think that's well said. Well, on this episode of the Short Side Option, you got the review of the last couple games. You get the preview of Texas. You get a nice little Bill Callahan anecdote in there, uh, you know. Throughout, you, you can't find that many other places uh, throughout the podcasting universe. So we appreciate you sticking with us here on the Short Side Option podcast. That'll do it here for us this week on the Short Side Option. Thanks for listening, and go Cats! <laughs>